welcome back to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. It's me, Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing show. This is actually a bonus episode this week because uh, there's a really cool event coming up this weekend, the SIBO Symposium. I know I'm such a dork that I'm going to be spending my weekend uh, watching a SIBO webinar, but it's really, really interesting stuff and it affects so many people. Um, who are dealing with digestive issues. So a reminder, SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And we've done a show on this a couple um, episodes before. So I wanted to give you an update on the condition and um, just let you guys know about the event happening this weekend. So I will bring on my guest in just a moment. Um, just want to give you a few announcements. First thing is Fit Life Live is coming up. And I will be a speaker talking all about the gut. I'm going to be talking about how your gut is your second brain. So I'll really connect the whole mind-body connection and also ways to really optimize your digestion and how to heal your gut. So that'll be coming up at the end of June. The specific dates are June 25th and 26th. To learn more, you can go to fitlifelive.com. That's F-I-T-L-I-F-E-L-I-V-E.com. And they've given me a discount code for my Dr. Low Radio listeners. And if you enter this at checkout, checkout um, live 400, so L I V E 400, you get $400 off your registration. So it brings it from 697 to 297 for the two full day event. It's going to be awesome, awesome. Also, Shine Natural Medicine, my clinic, will be having a booth there. And we're going to be doing um, some injectable nutrients and just spreading the love, um, B12 and other kinds of vitamins and and antioxidants like glutathione that we talk about on the show a lot. So it'll be a really, really great event. I hope to see you guys there. I so appreciate the love on iTunes, you guys, the reviews that you've been leaving, and I read each and every one of them. And if you've been listening to the show and like what you're hearing, if you've been getting value out of it, please go ahead over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. It would make my entire day. And um, and also, too, if you know of anyone who could be helped by these shows and you know someone who's wanting to take their health to the next level, please share these shows with your friends, with your family, and um, you know it's all about spreading that love. With all that said, let's get into the show. All right, we are back once again with Dr. Allison Seebecker on Dr. Low Radio. And Dr. Seebecker, thank you so much for joining me for a third time, I believe, on the show because you're that good. So welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. I know you've had an early morning and you're busy getting ready for your SIBO symposium coming up. And uh, so, yeah, it's great to ha- that you carved out the time to join us. And what I wanted to do is just... Um, give a, a bit of an update on SIBO and, um, and also just, you know, spread the information to people listening. I have probably a lot more listeners since last year listening to the show and it's something that people don't really know about. So, um, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with SIBO, I do recommend to go back and listen to previous shows. Um, basically it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And essentially, it's an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine that shouldn't be there. Um, and the main symptoms, and Dr. Seebecker, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but constipation, diarrhea, or alternating, um, gas, bloating, abdominal pain, and it can be caused by a variety of reasons, and it can be treated in a lot of different ways, but the, the three main treatments are uh, antibiotics, um, medications, or herbal antibiotics, or an elemental diet. And sometimes there can be a combination of doing those things in, a, in certain ways. And really, it's, it's individualized for the patient, right? So that's kind of like a quick little update. Um, are there any other just quick updates about it just to bring people up to speed? And then we can jump into more specific things that, um, that we didn't cover in previous shows. 
Well, that's perfect. What you said is great. Okay, great. <laughs> um, are there any updates on approximately how many people this is affecting, or is it kind of based on what we've known in the past? Yeah, you know, um, the estimates are are taken really from IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And we know that up to 20% of the population has IBS worldwide. And the average, um, because SIBO can cause IBS, mm-hmm. and so the average amount of IBS that is caused by SIBO is 60%. Wow. So um, it's a lot of people. I mean, you know, somewhere in the 30 to 40 or more million people. Maybe, maybe it's Billy and I, I'm not good with math. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. I would say I'm not a, I'm not a mathematician. I'm a doctor. But we get those stats, right? It's a lot of people because if you think, um, if you compare it like diabetes affects somewhere between maybe six to 8% of the population. So up to 20%, it's massive, you know? Yeah. Massive. And I think that 20% of the population was with IBS. I mean, Maybe it's just the population I see and maybe the population you see, but it's just, it's, I think it's even more possibly, it's just people don't necessarily know. Um, and also IBS is just kind of like a, a blanket term, right? Like it's, it's not saying what exactly it is or what it's caused by. It's just like something that can be just a diagnosis that, that patients receive when it's not very specific, right? That's exactly it. it all it is, is when you have those symptoms, you're said to have IBS technically, um, the doctor is supposed to rule out anything that could be causing it, which is about 40 different conditions. Yeah. And, and then if none of those conditions are present, then you say you have IBS. Uh, but, uh, but realistically that doesn't happen. A person goes to a doctor, they hear those symptoms and just say you have IBS usually with no investigation. Right. I've never heard of a, of a case where patients had all those other things ruled out and then SIBO is diagnosed. It's just right off, like you said, right off the bat. So when you first started doing SIBO stuff, did you have any idea it was going to grow into this? Really? Yes, actually I did ah. uh, because I, I knew so many people had it. And that's kind of what made me have the fire to, um, to, to make my website. And, you know, my whole point is to spread awareness of it yeah. because, because of how many people have it. So, and, and, and the very first lecture I ever gave, which was at a convention to naturopaths, people were going bonkers because it was, you know, happily because, um, hearing this, because it's missing information. It was something we were missing all along, which is to explain how come when we're trying to treat people with these symptoms, which has been called IBS, what is it caused by? And a lot of times, um, doctors, we treat it maybe as parasites or yeast, and we weren't thinking of bacteria in the small intestine. We might've been thinking bacteria in the large intestine, having something wrong there. So this was just a whole chunk of missing information that has explained so much. And I, I had a feeling people would would really respond to it. Absolutely. So for my audience, I have a lot of doctors, I have um, medical students who listen, but I also have a lot of the general public who listen. So it's always kind of an art to, to, you know, present the content in a way where everyone can be really happy and get a lot out of it. So for the SIBO symposium, I think any doctor listening should listen to that. Absolutely. Even if you went to pre, if you attended or, or listened on the webinar to previous years, you should absolutely listen. And also any medical student. Now for any general public listening, um, what would be some things that maybe they feel at home besides, um, you know, digestive issues that we just talked about, but other things that may be worth for them to tune into this, um, coming up. You mean like other, other conditions besides just the, the symptoms that are IBS? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like symptoms or conditions that can be associated with SIBO to where they would want to tune into this, uh, symposium that would be really valuable for them to, uh, to know this content. To, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, 
honestly, any digestive symptom can be caused by SIBO. So particularly that would be like acid reflux. A lot of um, acid reflux is actually caused by SIBO. So it can be very helpful to come and listen to a conference like this. So you know what to do because a lot of doctors are not thinking of that. They're not thinking of nausea, things like that. Now, putting, um, putting the digestive symptoms aside, um, then there's other conditions like like rosacea, acne rosacea, mm-hmm. responds mm-hmm. extremely well to being treated by SIBO and restless leg syndrome. Um, and also fibromyalgia, or, or which is also called chronic fatigue syndrome. So many people suffer from even just those three things I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And um, those things respond very well if a person is tested, found to have SIBO, and so they have both, and then you treat the SIBO. The other condition gets better. I mean, the studies on rosacea are incredible for really helping that. And we were just talking about one, um, Dr. Lowe, Mm -hmm. deep vein thrombosis. So crazy. So crazy. So, you know, if you, if anyone's interested, they can take a look at my website, which is SIBOinfo.com. It's just a free educational website on this condition. There's a page of associated diseases and it's really large. It's really large with so many different diseases and it starts to boggle the mind. How come there's so many things that you wouldn't think of acne rosacea, also just regular acne is associated with SIBO. How can there be so many of these things? Um, another one is interstitial cystitis, which is kind of like irritable bowel syndrome, but of the bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how come so many of these conditions are associated with SIBO? And the best way I can come up with it is just that, you know, in, in medical school, in naturopathic medical school, we're taught that, or at least there's a saying, all disease begins in the gut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not always true. There's, there's other places disease can begin, but there's a very common thought on that. And that's about the best way I would know how to explain it. How come so many other conditions can come out of a problem in the, in the digestive system? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I, I mean, I see it all the time with patients coming in, even with acne, we treat their gut, their skin clears up. Um, I, I'd love to talk a little more about the, the mind, the mind gut connection, the brain gut connection. What about the psychological effects of SIBO? I mean, obviously having the condition and going through all of that stress, if it's not being treated properly, can be very stressful to the mind, but I'm talking more of the, the, the brain gut connection. Is, is there something that we know of with that, with SIBO being associated like with depression or anxiety? There is. I see predominantly anxiety, more so than depression. Mm -hmm. I see both. I definitely see both, but I really see quite a lot of anxiety. And I I really believe that there's some particular, you know, brain hormone or chemical that is being triggered by the condition to cause the anxiety. Because when we get it treated, I've seen this in patient after patient, when we get it treated and the test results come down and symptoms come down, the anxiety disappears. I've seen people who actually had panic attacks soon after speaking to me because they were speaking about their SIBO and they were so anxious about it. And, you know, you think of that as a whole certain type of person. You blame it on their personality. And then we treat their SIBO and that is gone, just gone. There's no anxiety. There is no panic attacking. Wow. And so it's not who they are. It's the condition. And it's really important, I think, for us to know about that. And there's something else, too. This is slightly different. Um, you kind of alluded to it, but having a chronic disease, which for the majority of people with SIBO, um, it's estimated about two thirds of those who have SIBO, it, it is a chronic condition. And that doesn't mean it can't get better, but it means we don't have to cure it. Mm-hmm. And you might be dealing with relapses and management chronically. But anyway, 
for these people, um, the, any kind of chronic disease, it is actually can be rather depressing. So that's where more I see the depression come in. And there needs to be a, a lot of attitude management, and particularly with the diet, because um, because one of the main problems this condition causes is intolerance to carbohydrates, which are vegetables and fruit, as well as grains. And so it's very upsetting that healthy food, like vegetables, right. like broccoli and such, will hurt you. And so um, that takes some time to adjust to. And also when we treat it, then that gets better. But so that's a very, very troubling thing that can happen. For sure. And then just being very careful that every little thing can can bring that back again, right? So just being able to gradually bring those foods back in is is yes. A, yeah. Yes. And and when and also when people then restrict their diet, that is very unpleasant to mm-hmm. the psyche. You know, yeah. To do that for sure. Absolutely. Well, I think having that that support is is huge. Um, and I, I mentioned before we started recording, a, um, a friend of mine, um, Sylvie McCracken. I just re- read through her SIBO solution book, and uh, she herself dealt with SIBO and put all of her experience into this book. I think anyone listening who is dealing with this, it's a great read. It's uh, really supportive. It gives a lot of just um, a lot of information about what SIBO is exactly and the different ways that it's treated. It just, it's, it's written really, really well. So I highly recommend that the SIBO solution. I don't, I, I assume if you Google the SIBO solution, Sylvie McCracken, you'll, which is how, how cool of a last name is McCracken, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll get a lot of information about that just to learn more about the condition too. Um, what about the, uh, I know one thing that's, that's a bit confusing about SIBO is the issue with probiotics. Um, any update on, on, on the view of that, if that's something that should be done, you know, uh, post treatment, is it something that should be done very gradually after treating the SIBO? What's, what's kind of the, the view of that at this point? The, the, you know, the overview is that studies on SIBO and probiotics have been favorable or neutral, Mm -hmm. but, um, extremely experienced clinicians, many of them are against the use of probiotics. So, I've experimented. Um, so, you know, there's no one thought. I, uh, what I can do is tell you my approach, mm-hmm. which sure. is knowing, knowing this varied information that's out there, the different views on it. Um, I've experimented for, you know, six years now with my SIBO patients uh, with probiotics and with no probiotics. I've tried it all different ways. And what I think is that it's the use of probiotics and whether we should or not is really not based on the condition. I don't think that all SIBO patient, patients shouldn't have probiotics, nor do I think all SIBO patients should have probiotics, which is interesting because a, a lot of doctors think if there's anything wrong with the gut or the digestion, you should have probiotics. And I don't. I, I think it's what I think is it's by the case, by the individual. Uh, that's what I have learned over all these years. There are people who we try them with and it's intensely aggravating and it's not because sometimes it's not, it's not even because there's prebiotics. Prebiotics are things like FOS, um, inulin, arabinogalactan, and, and they are meant to feed bacteria. So they can be an aggravating substance for people with SIBO because they'd be feeding that person's SIBO or their bacteria. And many probiotics have those in there. But but there are lots of people who take probiotics without those prebiotics and are terribly aggravated. And another reason a person can be aggravated by probiotics is histamine intolerance. And I have seen people who don't have that condition and are still aggravated. So there are people that it's just not a match for. And then there are people who it's fantastic. It's a key element to helping them get better. And then the vast majority somewhere in the middle where they really can't tell one way or another, mm-hmm. or maybe it helps a little bit. 
And so honestly, it's about personal experimentation. There is no guidance here to, to let us know here's who we should do it in and here's who we shouldn't do in per se. The guidance I use is I just ask how a person has responded to probiotics in the past. And if we don't know, we experiment. But for some people, they're like, well, they always help me. And for some people, they're like, every time I try them, I'm so much worse, so much worse, so much worse. So Mm -hmm. that's what I go by. So if someone says, I don't really know if I've noticed a difference or not, and you've, you've then treated SIBO and you're wanting to add it in, is there one that you see as being maybe more on the safe side that you tend to start with? And then do you tend to start pretty low? I don't start low, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, there, I have two favorites of mine just based on all of the um, reading I've done. But everybody has, the, every doctor and every person has their own favorite. My mm-hmm. favorites are Align, A-L-I-G-N. Um, that's sold in drugstores mm-hmm. because it has such very good studies for the symptoms that are involved. It's mostly been studied for IBS. Hmm. And, then, um, and then another one I like is by Renew Life, and it's called Ultra Potent 100 Billion. And it's just based on the strains that are in there from all the studies I've read for these symptoms. Hmm. I, did, I did about a year and a half of um, studying on probiotics and reading all the studies and which strains show good for which symptoms. I'm still really, I'm actually, I'm still working on that. I have a lot more work to do, but those are ones that I like. Other people like the, um, lots of practitioners and people like the soil based, um, Mm -hmm. probiotics. And, but any of those along with the two I just mentioned can bother people or do nothing Mm -hmm. or make them worse. So me recommending them doesn't mean it won't bother a person. I mean, I'm very clear that it could. Yeah. What would you say if, if all the things that all the feedback you've heard from doctors who have treated it or, or, or you also see a lot of patients who have seen other doctors and it hasn't worked and then they come and see you. Um, so you have the joy of treating lots of complicated cases, which I'm sure keeps you on your toes. Yes. What, what would you say would be some of the, maybe the top one or two mistakes that doctors seem to make when they're treating SIBO? Oh yeah. I can tell you right off the bat, the, the, the top two, or I'll say top three, but the number one is not giving a prokinetic, um, after you're killing at the killing aspect of your treatment, prokinetics, another, that, that means pro, um, life really, but it, it's like, it's pro motility, pro movement. Um, and what we're trying to do there is stimulate the motility, the movement of the small intestine specifically, because that's the number one most common reason that people get SIBO is that the migrating motor complex, which is the motility of the small intestine, is deficient. And so that means bacteria can't be cleared out and they back up and accumulate. And so if that's the main cause, then, and, and we don't actually know at this point in time how to fix it, so to speak, cure it, so to speak. So what we do is we use these um, either herbs or prescriptions that stimulate it to the best of their ability so that you don't get a relapse. So that's, that's the number one mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the, that's the number one reason people come to me as a SIBO specialist. I pretty much just see people that have already tried something and failed. So mm-hmm. I, you know, that's all I see. That's the number one reason people come to me is not giving a prokinetic, um, after the killing regimen. And I recommend that the prokinetic be started very soon after finishing whether it's the antibiotics, herbal antibiotics, or elemental diet. so Like the next day, right? I usually start the next day. It's okay to start within a few days, um, but pretty soon, yeah. pretty soon after. Now, the number two problem is um, not knowing how to treat methane-type SIBO, which is the constipated type. So if somebody has constipation, they usually have, not always, usually have uh, a different type of 
uh, organism overgrown. We say bacteria. Technically, it's actually called archaea, but I don't really, I still don't really know what that is. So I just say bacteria. I mean, you know, it's just a different sort of a microorganism. Anyway, these um, bacteria, they make methane gas and methane gas causes constipation. And whether someone has the methane or not, if, if they're constipated, usually we treat them differently than if they don't have constipation. And for um, the antibiotic way of doing things, you need to do a double antibiotic regimen. And if you're using herbs, you need to always include allicin, which is this extract, antibacterial extract that comes from garlic. There's actually a few new things for methane um, now out, but those are the standards. And so that's the second most common thing I see is that doctors are unaware or patients that you need a different treatment strategy for methane. And then I'll say one last one. The third one is not testing. Um, as I mentioned, um, IBS, these symptoms can be caused by about 40 different diseases or conditions. And to just assume it's SIBO is a mistake uh, for a lot of people because how do you know? <laughs> so um, how are we supposed to know? It could be yeast, parasites, on and on with all the things it could be. And the treatments are different. Um, for instance, just as an example, this is an example I like to give often. The same symptoms can come from lactose intolerance, which is the genetic condition. Primary lactose intolerance is genetic, which a lot of people don't know that they have, even when they're adults. They haven't figured it out, and neither has the doctor. And you would not do some sort of killing treatment for lactose intolerance. You would take a lactase enzyme. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to just plow ahead unless you know what's going on. So I would recommend testing, and the test is the test I recommend is a three-hour lactulose breath test that checks for both hydrogen and methane gas. You can get that from various labs. You can look on my website under resources testing to see some labs that um, offer the test. But so testing is important. And one last tiny thing there is retesting after. So first you need to test and make sure this is what the person has. And the test gives you a lot of help in choosing your treatment actually, and knowing um, the prognosis. How long is it going to take to treat this? Because multiple courses are usually needed when you have very high gas. Um, and then retesting after, because often people have more than one condition. Believe it or not, often people have more than one condition at the same time. And so maybe some of their symptoms are coming from SIBO, but some are coming from something else. So if you retest after, let's say you've gotten that test negative, and, but they still have symptoms. Now you know something else is causing mm -hmm. those symptoms, and you can go and search for that. For, for people at home who are thinking, gosh, this is something I, I really think I may have, are there any specific foods or ingredients in any supplements that that's like, oh, if I react to this, to that specific thing, that's a real good sign that this is probably something that's going on? Yeah. So um, in the supplements, the one I mentioned already is the prebiotics that are in the probiotics. Those are things like FOS, GOS, MOS, inulin, and arabinogalactan. Uh, that's a very, that's like a keynote. I have a, when I teach this, I have a light bulb slide that that's one of the ways you start thinking of SIBO is if they react to that. Also, if they've been given any, um, like leaky gut healing supplements that have, um, comfrey, slippery elm, aloe, marshmallow, sometimes those things will bother people. And that's what you go, Hmm, maybe that, maybe the person has SIBO then. Um, now in foods, uh, and some common aggravators in the vegetable category are two of the most ubiquitous, which is onion and garlic. Onion and garlic are triggers, um, as well as avocado and cauliflower. They're big triggers. Um, in, the, uh, veg in, the, sorry, in the fruit category, it's apples and all the stone fruits, like peaches and pears. Mm -hmm. uh, 
plums and nectarines, all those delicious. <laughs> I know. So good. <laughs> um, and so apples is one that's very, very common. Oh, and I didn't mention avocado. You and I were mentioning that before. Avocado is a classic one. Another thing is raw food. So like salad mm-hmm. and um, also high fiber. So uh, like sprinkling flaxseed on things or taking flaxseeds in the shake. Um, sometimes that doesn't bother people, but fiber like psyllium can, can bloat people particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, those are common, common aggravators. And then the other big one is grains. So whole grains of any, of any kind, and really just any sort of food made from grains can be not any food, um, particularly if it's whole or complex can be aggravating. So, uh, breads and, um, you know, couscous salads and all these things like this, mm-hmm. um, that grains are extremely extremely aggravating to people with this condition. When we talked in the beginning, there's, there's a few ways to treat this antibiotics, herbal antibiotics, and, um, elemental diet. If you had to pick one, you're only allowed to pick one and, and where cost or convenience is not an issue at all. It's just not a factor. Which one would you go with? Oh my God, that's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're stumping me. Okay. Let me think this through. (laughs) Cost and convenience is not, we had to pick one. I mean, I guess I'd have to say elemental diet yeah, because that's what um, I thought you'd say. <laughs> yeah, because it um, it has the broadest spectrum of killing, and it can reduce gas the most in one two week course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it also has failed. I have all of these three methods. I I oftentimes will see only one of the three methods will work in a person when the other two don't, and I just chalk that up to the bacterial sensitivity of what will kill it. So you would think elemental diet would be able to kill everything. What that is, what that's about is, um, you're basically starving the bacteria, but still feeding the person and, uh, everything is sensitive to dying by starvation (laughs) pretty much. Right. But even that I have sometimes seen not work. Uh, but I think it's probably the most successful. Got it. That's what I thought you'd say. And I like it too. It's a, to me, it's the most naturopathic. It's first, do no harm. It's removing, you know, some of the obstacles and, uh, you know, obviously it's not the most, um, realistic option for some people for the convenience factor. And it can be pretty gross for some people. It doesn't taste too good, but Hey, if you can get over those issues, it's a, it's a great think. option. I'm so sorry for interrupting. No. There's a new, um, elemental diet product, um, just going to be released at the SIBO symposium from a company. I'm not, um, I'm not receiving money to say this, but I just want to let people know that um, they've overcome the taste issue. So we're thrilled. Is that something you can share or is that something you want to share at the symposium? (laughs) The company is revealing it there. So I better say something, you know, awesome. I don't want to steal their thunder. (laughs) Well, that's really exciting that there's new options that doesn't, you know, taste like you're drinking dirt and you're able to heal your gut too. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that we're, we're doing a, a shorter, um, show today. Just, we wanted to squeeze in this, this, uh, before we go off and see patients for the day. So, um, any words of encouragement, anything you want to leave with our listeners who are dealing with this or any parting words that you, that you have for us? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I'd want people to know, first of all, that if, if they've struggled with the symptoms of IBS, that it might be SIBO. And if so, it's wonderful news because there's been something figured out now that you can do that's different than just taking a laxative, basically than just treating the symptoms. You don't just have to take a laxative or take a modium for bloating. There's almost nothing to do, you know, or take some sort of pain reliever. 
um, there's there's something we can do now that that treats a, a little bit deeper down, which with one treatment, so one treatment meaning not five different symptom oriented things, um, can can try and relieve most of the symptoms at once. So I just would want that encouragement out there. And then also, if a person has SIBO, there's two ways this can go. About a third of the people are um, respond very quickly and easily. One treatment will do it, and they don't relapse. It's wonderful if a person is like that. But if you're the two-thirds, in the two-thirds of people category where it's chronic, um, don't give up. Just keep multiple rounds are usually needed. So just keep um, doing different rounds of different things um, with your doctor until you get your test negative and your symptoms better. Don't, just don't give up. And I've seen it work for so many people. I really, really have that over time, they just get better and better and it gets better control Then the diet can be more expanded. So I'm encouraging you just don't give up. Don't give up. For people listening who want to join in on the SIBO Symposium, how can they do that? What are the dates? Just give us some details. Oh, of course. Yes, it's June um, 4th and 5th, I believe, are the dates. It's coming up not this weekend but next. Well, I don't know when you're going to release this, but uh, June um, um, 4th and 5th. And they can go to my website, SIBOinfo.com, and right on the homepage there is the registration. Um, and you'll be able to see all the speakers. We, we didn't mention it, but this year, what's different is we have a lot of speakers. We started two years ago with just really four speakers. And this year, I think we have like 15 speakers. So, and that's because, um, more doctors are now have been treating it for longer and now have something to share, you know, but back when we started, not too many people, um, had experience, but now we have a lot more docs with experience. So, um, anyone can come. We, we, um, make it so that it's both for doctors and the public. We intend, um, anyone who's interested to, to join us. Amazing. Dr. Seebecker, you're such an inspiration. I, I just want to acknowledge you for everything you're doing for the naturopathic community, the world at large, just healing guts all over the place. And <laughs> I just appreciate you so much. Thank you for being such a source of knowledge for doctors and for patients. It's just, uh, it's amazing stuff. So keep up what you're doing and, um, you're, uh, you're so great. I'd give you a big old hug if you were here. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Enjoy your day. We'll talk soon. All right, you guys, that is our show. Thank you so much for joining me. So love Dr. C. Becker. She is just the sweetest thing in helping so many people around the world. So if you guys are interested in being a part of the SIBO Symposium this weekend, go over to SIBOSymposium.com and you guys can sign up. You don't have to be there in person. You can do it all over the internet, which I'll be doing. As one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Steven Sandberg-Lewis said, the road to heaven is paved with good intestines. Have a wonderful rest of the week, you guys. I love you so, so much, and I'll check you next week. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusions apply. See stores for details.